any sales coach or sales mentor or trainer worth their salt will have a module in the middle of their program that talks about questioning, questioning techniques, um, styles of questioning, relationship building, high impact questions, etc, etc. And there is no doubt that that module has its place within any program. But I think a lot of the focus should be taken away from the questioning technique and brought around the whole idea of curiosity. Because I believe if you can be sincerely curious about the work that you're doing, um, it doesn't seem like it's a questioning exercise. It seems like it's an information gathering exercise. And it's less about the questions that you ask and it's more about what you do with the information that you have or the information that you don't have. And so with that in mind, what I want to talk about in this podcast is critical thinking. Um, it's about root cause analysis and it's about the five whys questioning technique, um, which is kind of contradictory or counterintuitive to what I've just said. But if you bear with me, hopefully it will explain itself at the very end. Critical thinking originates from ancient Greece, Socrates, Plato, the deep thinkers, but it has always kind of reoccurred in those periods in history where really exciting and important transitions happen. Um, it happened in the Renaissance, it happened again the, the Enlightenment period, and it's at times when we think more deeply and more critically about what's going on and tend to accept less the status quo. Putting that in the context of sales really quickly before I lose you, the idea is that if we get into a routine and we're asking questions and it brings back a certain body of information and we start going with the status quo, the likelihood is the status quo will not be in our favor because most of the time the salesperson is trying to disrupt. The salesperson is trying to uh, displace an existing supplier or trying to repitch for something and a lot of the work that they put in is based on precedent, based on gut feel, based on what they're used to, based on the problems that they have solved for other customers and prospects in the past. And so you can get into a routine of doing some really, really good sales work, but your lack of critical thinking doesn't allow you to push the boundaries of the relationship, to go further into what the problem really is, and you, you find yourself maybe not being as successful in your conversion rate because you're not taking the time to think critically or more differently about the problem that you're trying to solve for, for that prospect. So I pulled on this quote from Sir Francis Bacon, of all people. Um, he was a fairly erudite and industrious English fella, philosopher, statesman, lawyer, scientist, full nine yards. Um, and he said, and I quote, If a man will begin with certainties, he shall end in doubts. But if he will be content to begin with doubts, he shall end in certainties. And I think that quote really aptly describes the predicament of the salesperson who will begin any plan or strategy for the sale with all the certainties uh, lined up, then he's most likely going to end up in doubts or failure rather than if he will begin with the doubts and trying to fill in the blanks, then he is more likely to be successful at the end of it. Um, and I think that this, this kind of critical thinking that changed so much of what we do in life. It's changed our thinking on science, on religion, on philosophy, on politics, on culture, the whole way through, because people were approaching problems in a different way. They weren't just looking for 
any old solution or a predictable solution, they were pushing the boundaries. And all the time in sales coaching and sales training, there's a certain conformity and a convention expected about behaving in a certain way to try and achieve marginal improvements over the longer term to become better at sales. But sometimes you need to be able to disrupt your own thinking a little bit and to come at things from an entirely different perspective. And so the two things that sit side by side really, really well are critical thinking and emotional intelligence. Okay, so I'm going to talk about a little bit more about critical thinking, a little bit more about emotional intelligence, and let's see how that can be applied to the work that you're going to begin 2024 with, okay? I guess in contemporary terms, the best example of critical thinking that I can see is the backlash that has been created towards uh, media. It's loath to say mainstream media, I would say all media. Um, people are now making better informed and more rational decisions on, on what they see. And they're not just simply accepting information at face value anymore. Um, they're questioning and they are it's going beneath what they might have just assumed in the past. Um, and they're starting to think harder. Okay, so applying that to the sales process and your own personal sales process, Ask yourself the next time you're sitting down to put together a battle plan for any one of your prospects. How are you approaching it and how critical is your thinking towards that? And the first question before all of that is, are you putting together a plan for every single sale? Are you trying to look at every single eventuality? Um, or are you putting it down to a workload thing where you've just got to get these quotations out? Um, so in this part of the podcast, let's look at the two distinct areas of sales, breaking it down into inbound and outbound. And I mentioned this before. I think that there's a risk that people um, look at the inbound sales opportunities less critically than they do with the outbound ones in the belief that if somebody is making the outreach to you and they're putting a call in or an email in that the qualification process is in some way almost complete when it clearly isn't. And I think you need to approach all inbound and outbound sales with the same rigor and the same crash testing. Um, and I think if you do that, you're probably going to up your conversion rate significantly um, in, the, in the coming months and the year ahead. All right. So think about how critical are you about the way you're approaching every single strategic sell. Okay. So the key components of critical thinking... Um, the first thing is uh, uh, analysis, okay? So you need to start looking carefully at the information that you have, breaking it down as far as you can, and then looking at the stuff that isn't there. So the example that I would use is if you write down everything you know on a piece of paper about the client or the project, then what remains on that piece of paper in white is the stuff that you don't know. So there will always be information that you don't know. There's information that you have that you'll be reviewing in a certain way in terms of buying process, sales cycle, decision makers, all that sort of stuff. In the normal process of selling, we typically find ourselves thinking, well, we know that, we know that, we know that, we know that. Let's move on to phase two and three and let's put, a, uh, let's, let's put the 
proposal together and send it out in an email. Critical thinkers don't really make it that easy. Second part is the evaluation. You've got to assess the information, the quality, um, the relevance and the veracity of all the information. You've got to put down arguments for and against. You've got to take a look at factors, uh, like biases, like your own emotional bias, the propensity towards the likelihood of what evidence supports uh, any of those, um, and the credibility of everything, you know. Um, Salespeople will have conversations with decision makers and when they're put under the thumbscrews back, back at HQ, they will embellish the information because they will never want to say, well, to be honest, I had a conversation with him and yeah, he, he didn't really give me a lot of information, so I didn't really push him on it. They're never going to say that. So what you're going to find is you're going to embellish the information saying, well, no, he, he definitely said this and sure, I was there and he said, this is exactly what he said. And we need to move away from a position where the person you're talking to says they need what you're selling. That's never going to get you to sell understanding that, that they've said that they need something. You need to move beyond that. So critical thinking will then move into the problem solving phase and apply analytical skills and evaluation skills to solve problems and make decisions effectively. So again, this whole thing about problem solving, what does that mean? You know, in, in any kind of business, you have to make something work repetitively. It has to be a repeatable process that creates some value and you can make a bit of money on it profitably, okay? Whenever you're selling something to people again and again and again in the same way, you stop seeing yourself as a problem solver and you're trying to get production line mentality on the go. It's about numbers, it's about getting the proposals out, it's about hitting quotas, it's about trying to get um, more stuff in the pipeline. And that's what sales is, of course. But if you're to be critically thinking about every one of your clients, you have to stop and you have to try and look at the problem in a different way, okay? This is where you need to start thinking about your emotional intelligence and starting to think about other things like root cause analysis and asking the five whys. Because most of the time, the problem that you're trying to solve is behind the problem that you're looking at. Okay, so, so you need to think about that. The problem that, that you're trying to solve is not the one that you're looking at. The second thing is you have to make sure that the problem you're trying to solve, uh, your prospect is agreeing with you that that is the problem you need to solve. And then you're down into a whole line of different information gathering about what would the client, what would the world be like for the client if that problem wasn't solved, if it was solved by somebody else who wasn't able to solve it in the same way as you do. And then you're now into a third and fourth level of value provision. So it's not about price. And all of a sudden you're starting to build a really, really strong story in your own mind that you can present to your prospect and to your customer that will show that, yeah, you genuinely understand the problem. Part of all this is being open-minded, um, you know, because sometimes, uh, you know, the perspective that you are going to end up at is the one that you're not going to like. Um, you know, a very obvious example of that would be that you decide to walk away because you're kind of looking at this and going, this is not going to work for us or for you. Um, we could probably do the job, but truth is we really don't want to because I've taken a look at it from this perspective and this logical outcome is this and we don't want to do that. So try and be open-minded about your approach um, and consider alternative viewpoints and ideas that may not have never been on the table. 
Um, the next bit, it goes back to childlike human behaviour for me, and that's uh, curiosity and inquisitiveness. Critical thinkers ask questions to try and find out the root cause and the implications of issues. And that curiosity and inquisitiveness has been kicked out of us, um, sometimes literally as children. So whenever we think about um, either as a child or as the parent who has to listen to the child asking the question, are we there yet? Um, whenever you solve a problem, uh, a child will ask a question. Sometimes a teenager will ask a question and you give an answer. They will follow it up by why is that and why is that? And that's really taking you into the core of the five whys questioning, which is going back to the, that human instinct that was kind of pushed out of us. There's no difference to your prospect. Your prospect doesn't want to really answer those questions. They don't want to expose ignorance. They don't want to expose um, a lack of understanding. They don't want to expose their vulnerability. They don't want to expose their negotiating position. So there are going to be some questions where they will not want to answer, just like a, just like a parent to a child. So you have to find a way of being curious and inquisitive with the way you address those questions and seeking to understand the problems behind the problems. I hope that makes sense because it makes sense for me because um, I, I, I've spent a bit of time preparing the podcast, but it's really just about not accepting the status quo. It's about trying to find out what lies behind the problem and sometimes you're going to have to create some tension in the relationship to be able to, to say that. Sometimes you're going to have to say things in a certain way that, that might uh, be counterintuitive to your relationship building, let's say, that might be difficult for you because you know that the client is not going to get any sense that you're on their side, that you're going to challenge them. But they'll thank you later. So it's a question of whether you can stand by this value that you, you that your service and your product provides or you just want to get into a head nodding exercise, put in the quote, win it and fair play to you, lose it and then just go and say, yeah, he probably just didn't want it from us. We, we weren't, we, we, we were probably too expensive. You know that it'll always go back to that, that barrier that oh, the client says we were too expensive. And you trade that off for asking more challenging questions, you'll find you'll win more business. The more information you have, the more kind of quirky and out of step information that you have, you're able to probably process it more logically. Um, if you sit back and think about the journey rather than just the outcome, and the outcome for every salesperson is to put together a robust proposal, okay, to get that proposal out and move on to the next one to have it in the pipeline. But if you're really logical about stuff and you're able to process the information, you may come up with a different way of presenting the information. All of this means that you need to give yourself time. You need to be organized. You need to be working hard in the right way. You need to be information gathering. You need to sort of find no excuses to pull you away from it. You need to be really thorough. And sometimes that's the hurdle that people fall on. That's the final hurdle that they don't give it enough time. But if you're going to be putting anything out that's worth I don't know, a high ticket sale, what, what that might mean to you, but for multiple sales of your product or for repeat business through your service, um, if you've targeted your client and it's the right kind of client and it's on a fortune list for you, there is no doubt that if you're a third, it will pay off. Critical thinking will mean that 
you're going to have more than just one solution to present. You may have multiple solutions, you may have just two, um, but that's better to have something to decide at that stage that might align better with your values, your needs and wants and demands and those of your customer. So it puts you in a better place to move forward that you've got an alternative position to take rather than just the status quo, same old, same old, same old. I mentioned at the beginning, emotional intelligence plays a really big part of this. And um, yeah, it really does because you have to find a way of seeing the picture in the other person's head and you have to be able to apply that. Um, for those of you who are not familiar with emotional intelligence, the go-to guy in this is Daniel Goleman. He's written a book which is titled Emotional Intelligence, um, all about it being more important, like EQ over IQ. Um, I can't remember the name of the title, but something like that. Um, emotional intelligence is all about self-awareness, uh, your ability to recognize and understand your own emotions, um, being aware of them and how that can influence your thoughts, behavior and your decision making. And then self-regulation self means managing and controlling those emotions. Social awareness and relationship management is where you're able to recognize and understand the emotions of others, including their feelings, needs and perspectives. Um, and it involves empathy. Okay. Um, then you're into using your emotional awareness into uh, regulating your interactions with others. Um, it helps with communications and negotiations, building positive relationships and conflict resolution. And so if you're going to start thinking critically about how you tackle a problem, you need to start thinking empathetically and emotionally about how you're going to be able to make that problem resonate for your prospect to understand what they need, how they might feel, how your solution might make them feel, how the absence of a solution would make them feel, and so on and so forth. So you, you kind of need to walk a mile in their shoes. If that's a buyer, if it's a CEO, if it's an operations manager, if it's an accountant, who are you selling to? And what is the real problem that you're trying to solve for them? And that takes a little bit of time too. So everything I'm talking about here is almost doubling down on the effort that you need to put in. But the, but it's only about the rewards. It's about the end game. It's about the journey and it's about the destination. And if you find the process that works for you and you're able to sweat that process, you will find that you will be able to be highly effective in the way you approach problem solving through critical thinking um, by applying emotional intelligence and it's whether you're prepared to invest the time in that that's really the question you probably need to ask yourself are you prepared to put the time in to think differently about how you solve problems for your prospects and your customers it also mentioned root cause analysis um, as something that you should consider to bolt onto your methodologies that you might use for problem solving um, it's another process used to identify what are the underlying causes or factors that are contributing to the specific problem that normally sit behind the problem you think you're looking at. Okay, the example that I think is fairly common is the um, Lincoln Memorial in Washington where the janitors and the cleaners found themselves using too much bleach to clean the statue and that cleaning was causing irreparable damage to the stonework. And so the root cause analysis was what's causing the 
extra cleaning and the additional use of bleach and that was bird droppings. So what was causing the bird droppings? Um, moths and insects that were attracted to the lights at night. Um, why were the lights on at night? Um, to allow tourists to come and get the photographs taken. So if they turned off the lights at night, then that would mean that the problem would be solved. And that was the case. So instead of trying to find different types of bleach and different cleaning methods, they turned the lights off in the evening and that reduced dramatically the number of uh, times that the statue needed to be cleaned. It just pushed the problem onto another um, area because then the tourists were complaining that they weren't able to get the photographs taken at the memorial at night. So, you know, first world problems, but that's how root cause analysis would have been used to solve that particular problem. Uh, five Ys takes us back to childhood, I guess. That was the other methodology that um, when somebody, you ask somebody a question, they, they, they give you an answer, you just say, well, why is that? Why do you think that's happening? And apply that five times, sometimes six times to the engagement and the relationship you're trying to build and you will find that the problem that they wanted you to solve at the first case is not the problem that really needs to be solved at the very end. And of course that all sounds great because you know what, um, you've got an abundance of time as a salesperson and sure, what else would you be doing? Um, but I think if you're sure that it's really, really worth it, if you are completely sure that the end game is going to be lucrative, if you're prioritizing your time properly, if you're targeting the right kind of business um, at the right time, speaking to the right people in the right way, then all of this is worth investing a little bit more time in, for sure. So I'm going to finish off with uh, another quote from Francis Bacon. And it's three words, and that is knowledge is power. If you take a look at his uh, biography, you take a look at some of the stuff that he was up to, um, I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, 400 years ago, 350 years ago, he was about trying to improve everything, be it um, scientific method, the empirical method, be it in his philosophy, be it in his legal practice or as a politician. Everything was about getting as much information as you possibly could to make a better informed decision. And I think that really applies very nicely to the whole area of sales. So if you're really motivated and setting yourself some user-friendly targets as you're journaling day one of 2024, um, then it mightn't be a bad thing to look at. All the very best for the next 12 months. Thanks for tuning in. And um, let me know your thoughts. If you, if you feel like it, drop me an email or... Uh, connect on, on LinkedIn. Take it easy.